Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. This week, reflecting back on the Fulham draw at the weekend, the 125th anniversary celebrations, looking ahead to Blackburn this weekend away. Also talking about coronavirus and could it be impacting Bristol City's fixtures very soon. And uh, some interesting club PR we want to talk about as well. All of that to come. Let's start with the Fulham game. One all at the weekend. Gregor, fair result? Yeah, it was. If you look at the expected goals, then it was a, a one, <laughs> XG, one. XG. I'll, yeah, I'll get that in there to begin. And <laughs> yeah, it said it said it should be one, one on the chances created. And I thought Bristol City were a lot better going forward. They, eight shots on target. Yeah, which we've. I mean, we've been moaning about having just one on target recently. Yeah. So to have eight in one game, it yeah. was we were spoilt. And yeah, no, they they were much better going forward. I thought Narky Wells played very well. Actually, quite a few of the players played. Pretty well. Thomas Callas was back in form. I thought Corey Smith had a good game. Yep. I thought Nicky Mainpar was superb. Those two outstanding saves at vital times against yep. Bobby Reed. Yeah, I thought Bobby Reed was going to score just before half time. Is a is a great save. Yeah, that, that yeah the one he palmed away. Yes. I, I thought there was one just after half half time as well. I thought that was equally as good. Mm-hmm. Where basically Reed is. Sorry, Decordova Reed is down the left channel, and yeah, he's basically one on one with the goalkeeper. But Mainpar makes the save with his feet. That was a, um, a big time in the game as well. So, does he keep his spot if Dan Bentley comes back? Do you think because he's played quite well? Interesting question. I like I. I knew Bentley wasn't going to play on Saturday and I tweeted about that and I spoke to some fans and they said to me that they saw him arriving at the stadium and he was borderline limping. Oh, right. So it's quite a potentially serious injury. Yeah, it's it's a groin problem he's had. Mm. And it it really is. It's only affecting his kicking. And it doesn't seem... Well, Jamie McAllister said ahead of the game that he was back in full training. And I think we... Well, we we will see this weekend, won't we? Yeah, Yeah. I think we realised that maybe might not have been the case. But... Yeah, for me, main bar. I think we discussed it last week. I, I really like the guy. I, I think he's he's quality. I, I think he should be playing more often. And I just think the defence looks a bit more secure when he's playing because he's got a bit more physicality about him. He doesn't palm so much stuff away, which I really like. He catches a lot of stuff. He's good in the air. And um, Baker and Callas in defence. What did you make of their partnership when he was on the bench? Yeah, good again. Obviously, Nathan Baker. He came off early, and. I mean, Lee Johnson was asked about this after the game. And I just feel like Baker gets injured all the time. Maybe that's unfair, but when it happened, I was like, oh, not again. We we did count, and we believe it's now the 20th time that he's come off in the first half of a game. But this is over a five-year five period, so... Okay, yeah, I know that's a long time, but tell me, another player, tell me another player. Yeah, exactly. You, you're averaging four times a season where he comes off in the first half. Mm-hmm. And Lee Johnson has said pretty consistently, it's just tough to build a defence around that when you're going to have to reshuffle yeah. a lot. And well, I, Benkovic came on and did quite well, I thought. Yeah, he did, he did. I mean, just on Baker, just to round that off, I, I have spoken to him and said to him about the injury record and everything himself, how does mm-hmm. he see it? Mm-hmm. And he was very honest and he says that basically he just believes, as maybe others have said, that he's a bit too brave and he just throws himself into some tackles that he shouldn't and... Um, by way of illustration, do you remember that Abubakar Kamara tackle in the first half, which is probably where he got injured, where he launched himself? And I thought at the time, wow, that is a crunching and a brilliant tackle. But he's a big he, lad, though, Kamara. Yes, he is. <laughs> but he may have paid the price of yeah of suffering concussion symptoms. Yeah, he was jaded, wasn't he, when it, when he went off? Yeah, it looked a bit. Um 
worse for wear. Yeah, Benkovic, though, as you say, he, he came on and he, and he did play well, so that that's a feather in his cap. I don't think he's quite at the level... Um, of of um, yeah, Callis and Baker at the moment. Okay, we'll have to see what happens this weekend in terms of defensive partnership. Uh, one all though, so it's a, it's another point, and I do maintain that Bristol City have been fortunate with what's been happening around them because if you look at the table, uh, things aren't too bad at the moment. Fulham, that point didn't do a lot for them. They're still six points off the top two. But for Bristol City, just keeps them in touching, literally touching distance for the top six. Only behind uh, Preston by a point. And uh, Preston this weekend, they've got Luton, so you'd fancy them there, wouldn't you? Yeah, although it's at Luton, I think. And it is at Luton, They're not yeah. too bad on their own patch. I mean, Preston, I actually saw that they were winning and then I think it went to 1-1. And then, who did they beat? Sorry, they, they had a man sent off. Uh, was it um, Millwall? No. No, Millwall lost at Nottingham Forest. Uh, QPR. QPR, yeah. So I saw QPR had a man sent off and I thought, right, that's it. Preston will win that game. And so when I came back to it on the Sunday, because I assumed they'd won yeah. and saw they hadn't, I thought, well, this is opening up nicely for Bristol City. And that's what I mean about being fortunate about results. They, yeah. have, they have been lucky because their form obviously has been... Less than great, and Preston losing means it's just a point. They need to look over their shoulders, though, everyone that's come up behind them. And, of course, during the Fulham game, before the Fulham game, we had the 125th anniversary celebrations. Even though it was 125 years last year, we think they did it this season because it was the whole season encompassing um, the celebrations. What was it like? What was the atmosphere like, Gregor? It looked great on the TV. Yeah, it was, it was a really good atmosphere, and it, it was a really good day. Uh, there's been a, a few little criticisms of the club, but there have been some successes as well. I think it's always going to be the case with a, a big event like this. You, you, it's probably difficult to get it all right, but yeah, generally I thought the club did a pretty good job. I, I thought the souvenir programme was superb. If you if you saw one of those, some great stats in there, some great pieces, and some great insight into the club. Actually, that you don't normally find. What about bringing old team members back onto the pitch that seemed to sort of yeah that bit flat that's one of the criticisms that there's that's, that's been aired quite a lot by also a lot of the fans but I did some digging on it this week and I've spoken to a few ex-Bristol City players themselves as well and I know that there was a, a, a bit of a feeling that it was a bit of a mess because they came onto the pitch and the, I think the plan was originally for them to walk around the stadium however because of the TV <laughs> cameras and cabling um, they weren't able to do that and mm. so they just congregated in that corner I did ask why they didn't, didn't come onto the pitch they and not just have walked around the cables yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think there was a fixed camera actually yeah. in place behind the camera and um, behind that goal in front of the south stand. So I'm not sure that was logistically possible. And also, do you really want to see pensioners hurdling around the stadium? It's a fair point. But, it's a bit, 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 bit of a shame. But you know, yeah. if circumstances dictate that you can't do something like a lap of the pitch, they're not been in a more prominent place so everyone yes. can see them. I don't understand why they're in the corner. Yeah, I did do some digging on why they didn't come onto the pitch, for example, yeah. and. Basically, the feedback I've had is that the, the club was a, a bit worried about the state of the grass would be in if they brought on... I know it was four, 45 ex-players returns. I suppose but, it's all in flat shoes. Yeah, and plus their families came out, a lot of them, because some of them were quite elderly as well and yeah. so needed um, help. So, yeah, then you're looking at 100 people coming onto the pitch would have had a, an effect on the pitch. I'm not too sure about that because we see it happening at other clubs. But I know that also the club was concerned about the time it would take, if you think about announcing all these people 
and then bringing them on. You, you might have been there for yeah, 45 minutes. Yeah, logistically it is difficult. It's just a shame, isn't it, yeah. uh, that it happened in that way. And something that was worn on the day by the players was the shirt that you love. Yeah, the one, two, five <laughs> shirt. Yeah, well, you say that. I, actually, I, I one, don't though, mind you? it. No, I, one. It's your pyjama I, <laughs> I, I don't actually mind. I said on Twitter it was growing on me, and I've seen it a few times now. And, and you know what? It's a bit crazy, and I don't mind that. Um, so I'm not going to, I wouldn't rush out and get one, but you couldn't rush out and get one actually at the moment because they're all sold out, I believe. And there right, was... Hold on, I'm confused. So there was an article this week written by yourself uh, about actually not many of these selling. Mm. But you're telling me they've sold out. Is it well, they didn't make many? They, yeah, they didn't make many. Um, John Lansdowne has explained himself. There was a basically a run of 700 and we, yeah, we were past the... Uh, exact number of shirts sold, uh, which, which we was? believe is 476. Now, I think the club might dispute that, but my understanding is that it works like this, that there were 700 made and you probably take out around 100 for use of the club to go to their players, um, charity and staff, etc. So that'll leave 600. And then I believe, yeah, there was around 476 sold um, and that leaves 100 or so left. But they're not on sale anymore in the club shop. I'm not too sure why that is. Um, but those details have ra- roughly been confirmed actually by John Lansdowne as well in the official club podcast. Um, somebody pointed out to me. So so pretty sure that is that is all correct. And yeah, it's not a huge number, especially when you consider that the... The club announced that they sold 15,000 shirts um, a couple of seasons ago, although that was several different kits and across the entire season, so obviously um, a longer time and, and more to sell. But, yeah, I, I, again, I'd probably say it was mixed reception for those because there were fans. I mean, I spoke to fans who had gladly bought them and were wearing them with pride on Saturday, but yeah. they obviously got a bit of a negative reaction on social media. But you can't please everyone. No, so. of course not, no. But overall, yeah, nice. Overall, yeah, I, I, I wasn't I, a defeat either. No, exactly. Um, good improvement on the pitch, and yeah, good and bad stuff off it. I mean, I don't want to over-egg the bad stuff. Um, I mean, just the ex-players and that that I spoke to also did mention that they had a very good um, two receptions in the VIP two lounges up in Ashton Gate, and John Lansdowne was there, Steve Lansdowne was there, Mark Ashton was there, and yeah, no complaints about that bit. I think it's only the way they sort of were brought out onto mm. the pitch, but yeah, maybe the club can learn from this. I mean, one criticism I have is that I don't think the club does enough regarding ex-players and I've been told by some people that other clubs do it better and and in fact I did a bit of digging onto this and if you go onto the website and look for the former Bristol City Players Association now it just goes to a, a 404 web error so oh, that kind really? of yeah. sums things up maybe mm-hmm. and I know Scotty Murray was tasked with getting people's emails I think the, the um, SLO Jerry Tocknell was as well and they used... Um, the forum, for example, for, for looking for help from the fans. Um, some were passed down by other contacts, but maybe they need to put more resource into this and, mm. and do it a little bit better in future and, and hopefully look after the, the, the former players in, in a better way. Because I also know some of them, there are a few guys who were a bit annoyed to have not been inv- invited to the party. But I guess big party like this, we have to draw the line somewhere, don't you? Tricky, yeah, tricky. So uh, that was the weekend, but uh, going forward now in the football season, there's actually 
genuine concerns and this isn't scaremongering this is just being topical about what's happening whether the football season will finish if it finishes in what fashion maybe it will just carry on unaffected because of coronavirus but I think that is very unlikely uh, we have seen that Bristol City have stopped handshakes at the training ground a few weeks ago Obviously, players aren't shaking hands before games anymore, which is weird, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's an, no, an unusual to watch sort of thing. And no autographs on Saturday, they announced. No photos, no yeah. selfies. Yeah. Um, basically, players couldn't really come into contact with the public if the public wanted to, because they gather outside the media entrance and often get photos and things. And the club released uh, a statement to the media saying, we're going to discourage this. We're not going to do this, basically. So, going forward, Gregor, we've seen the Manchester City against Arsenal on Wednesday evening was postponed. That was because the owner of Nottingham Forest and Olympiacos has coronavirus and came into contact with the Arsenal players. And now some of the Arsenal players are self-isolating. So, we're, we're starting to see the snowball, the snowball effect happen. Well, when do you think it's going to affect the championship? Because the owner of Nottingham Forest has coronavirus. So will Forest's game against Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend be off? Well, it's going to be a very interesting watch, isn't it? I mean, I don't have any information on that at the moment, but it's certainly something we are, we are looking into and we expect there to be some developments at some point. This was recorded on Wednesday, by the way, yeah. so if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, this has already happened, what are they talking about? We're just, as with anything that's a moving story, you know, this is Wednesday, this is where we're at with it, so we're talking about our thoughts that are happening now. But if you look at the cases, you know, it, we know it's... It's getting larger. The scary thing is, they've said that Italy are where we are now a couple of weeks ago, and you can see how it snowballed there. Mm-hmm. And Italy have pretty much stopped Syria. First of all, they started playing it behind closed doors. They're now saying they're stopping it for a few weeks. Could that realistically be happening here? Yeah, definitely. I think. I think there's a large chance that that games are going to have to be played behind closed doors, or but or or, or cancelled if they're clo- if they're behind closed doors. I've got a question for you. Is that behind closed doors to the media as well? Well, yeah, we've been discussing that one in, in the office as well. And because how are fans going to find it, out what's it, it, it seems to um, differ from country to country. I've seen in Spain that they're not letting the media in. Where do they draw the line with media attending and not? Yes, yeah, it's a difficult one. There's no consistency and we're going to have to wait and see what happens, I guess. And... I, yeah, unfortunately, I do think we're going to see the effects over the next few weeks. We're already starting to do that. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Forrest. I know it was reported yesterday by, I think, Daniel Story that... The, no, actually not um, Daniel Story, uh, Paul Taylor I saw, mm. was saying that the, the Forest players have all been tested yesterday and they were waiting for results. Um, obviously, having come into contact with Evangelis... I can't pronounce his name. Good luck with that. Yeah, um, the, the Forest owner... So, yeah, and if, obviously if, if, if any of those guys have got coronavirus, then it's going to have a knock-on effect for their games coming up, which, of course, includes Bristol City a, a week on Sunday. I mean, from what I know, there's already some measures being taken. I, um, we, we've heard ourselves that basically any Bristol sports employee has, has been warned about um, attending any events in, in, um, that involve a lot of people, and that's 
come to effect things like the uh, Cheltenham Festival taking place this week my understanding was actually that some of the Bristol City players and staff were thinking of going to the festival on Thursday this week but they're now not going because they've received guidance from, from basically Bristol Sport saying that if, if you are considering going to an event think on and maybe discuss it with the HR and they've taken that to mean basically yeah, yeah. interpret that as mean maybe don't go so well yeah that's fair enough but I'm just so confused Gregor about all the guidelines there's so much conflicting advice there's I think it's the health minister that is unwell with coronavirus she was in 10 Downing Street last week yet today they've all gathered for the budget in Westminster how does that make sense yet they've called off a whole football match now I'm not I think it probably is the right thing I'm not a health expert I'm not a virologist but it probably is the right thing to call off a football match because you know your health is much more important than football but I don't understand these double standards. Exactly, it's like the handshaking, isn't it? And um, yeah, and, and not yeah, leading. Boris Johnson's going around shaking hands. Yeah, and, and leading mascots out by the shoulder rather than the hand to stop the spread. Do you know what? In the tunnel on um, Saturday, Corey Smith went to high five Bobby Reed. Did you see this? No. And he did like lightly high five him, but I could see they both realised that they shouldn't be doing it as they did it. Mm. And then when they're in the tunnel, <laughs> Corey Smith went to hold or sort of guide the mascot, and you could see him thinking, "Oh, I can't hold their hand." Yeah, it's very unnatural, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, it's understandable. Isn't it? Yeah. So. You know, um, it's it's really difficult. And obviously, Gregor and I, we don't have any inside information on this. We know that there was a meeting on Monday uh, between some of the broadcasters, uh, reflecting government advice about what might happen if games are behind closed doors or postponed. But this could have a huge knock-on effect to the Euros. Could the yeah. Euros be called off? Well, yeah, I'm not too sure. I I've saw UEFA um, basically saying last night that they hadn't had any requests from federations to postpone it to 2021, as had been reported elsewhere last night. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But yeah, I do know that there are talks taking place with the EFL, and this is something that all the clubs are worried about and they are discussing. So we'll just have to keep an eye out and see what materialises. Well, they can't postpone it to 2021 because then you've got World Cup qualifiers and things. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, there's it, there's a, a lot of questions to be asked. I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, eventually we start seeing some games played behind closed Perhaps doors. Um, I don't know. I would suggest weeks to my untrained mind, but I would suggest weeks. I reckon, I reckon maybe not next weekend, the weekend after. Yeah, I, that would sound right, I think, to Based me. Based on what's happened in Italy. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. hard to say, isn't it? And it's a crazy well, time. I mean, Gregor, for goodness <laughs> sake, your, your car's out there stacked with loo rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 18 hankies in my pocket here. Don't, don't worry about me. Yeah. He's, he's sat here with his mask on. Um, right, let's move on from coronavirus because it's a pretty miserable subject, unfortunately, that we do need to talk about at the moment. Uh, let's talk about Blackburn this weekend, which, to our knowledge, is happening. Uh, Blackburn away. Now... They're a pretty inconsistent side, but they're still within touching distance of the playoffs. Uh, they are 10th and only two points behind Bristol City. A win would take them above Bristol City this weekend. If you look at their recent results, they're sort of, you know, all over the place. They lost the Derby 3-0 at the weekend and had a man sent off. And Yeah, Buckley picked up a red yeah, card, didn't he, later on? Really late on. I, uh, they drew with Swansea, yeah. they drew with Stoke, they drew with Brentford, so they had loads of draws. They beat Charlton... 
Uh, they beat Hull, but they lost to Fulham uh, almost a month ago. So Yeah, they, they had a good little unbeaten run of those four or five games and they sort of came right back into the reckoning for the, yes. the top six. And, yeah. I, and obviously they would have done it if they'd beaten Derby at the weekend. So it was great from our point of view, Bristol City's point of view. That's what I mean, the teams yeah, around slipping up. That they slipped up. And yeah, I do think they'll be in the mix. I, I mean, I've got to say, I'm amazed that they've done so well and... Uh, under Tony Mo- Tony Mowbray, but with missing Bradley Dack since what Christmas? He's been out for so long with that. He's that star player, isn't he? Yeah, ACL injury. I think it was ACL, wasn't it? And then yeah, they, they just they're just hanging in there at the moment. I did have a look at their team mm. and 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 watched a little bit, in fact, of the Derby game, and I was a little bit surprised by the the makeup of their midfield because I thought that they Travis and Stuart Downing played centrally. Yeah, Is that right. Uh, Oh, well, from when I saw it, he was playing a little bit on the left, but possibly left-back even for some of it. Uh, they obviously um, changed things about, but what I was most impressed about when they came to Ashton Gate was the way that Johnson, they had such a physical midfield. Bradley Johnson was superb that game. And he was, but he was on the bench. Yeah, he, he came on uh, later on in the game against Derby. Mm. So I just wonder if, if, if Mowbray, like... Um, Lee Johnson is quite fully aware of his best team at the moment, and but but whether he might go back to what worked when they came to Ashton Gate, and they did pretty much overpower Bristol City's midfield that day. That was a big thing. I really felt that the way they approached the first twenty to thirty minutes set the set the tone for the game. Yeah, they won two 0 didn't they, back in December, and uh, Johnson scored an Armstrong that game. Uh, at Bristol City was it was creativity that was a. Yeah, they they just struggle to get out of midfield and play through uh, Blackburn Rovers, and Blackburn Rovers also had the the, the strength to really deal with Deju and, and long balls. Um, so yeah, I think basically Lee Johnson's going to come up, going to have to come up with a, a slightly different plan to play at Ewood Park. Although I do remember, obviously City went there and won last season. I think. I think Eros Pisano, um, oh, scored a winner there. Was that last season or was that the year before? Your memory's better than mine at the moment, let's be honest. I uh, but think if, it was last look, season. if you look at this Bristol City team from December, it's going to be quite a different makeup on Saturday. You wouldn't expect to see Adam Nige play. You would think that Gigi and Vyman will be Narky Wells, and who do you think will partner Narky Wells actually? Well, Vyman started at the mm. weekend and what we saw was there was a lot more tackles made in the opposition half, which meant that it helped them to press higher up the pitch. So I wonder if he might stick with that. However, Jeju is just so important on set pieces and as we've heard Lee Johnson say, he's one of the best players in the world at clearing from that mid-zone area of the goal. So, yeah, I, I probably expect Jeju to come back in, to be honest. OK, let's hear from Lee Johnson ahead of Blackburn this weekend then. I get um, a lot of the fans asking me what you mean when you say identity. I probably should have asked you three years ago, really. But can you explain exactly what your identity is and in terms of what you want to see on the pitch, clearly? Well, if I had the opportunity to build like like a fantasy football team, for example, there's two parts of it, really. One is the mathematics of creating overloads right through through systems and, and patterns of play. Um, the other part to it is having the three attributes that I want from an individual which is do you want the ball can you handle the ball and can you win it back so in an ideal world you'd have a team of six foot twoers that can handle the ball uh, win it back and obviously do something with the ball when they get it and want it all the time so often 
where we are in the food chain, you might get various forms of that. You might get Jada Silva that wants the ball, can handle the ball, can win it back, but is five foot three. <laughs> uh, or you might get a taller player. So you're constantly trying to, to put this sort of jigsaw Rubik's Cube together. Um, but certainly creating numerical advantages uh, all over the pitch. Like and, and like, if you look at Josh Browning, for example, the way he's been developed into that into that Premier League player, or Bobby Reid, or Joe Bryan, it was built. It's built around like a getting them good ball with space, which makes them look better players, and obviously be able to produce more. And that a lot of that it wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be seen through the naked eye. Um, and and the the genius of the lads creating ground, creating space. It's obviously a lot easier if you've got a, a talented defender that can carry the ball uh, wherever that is um, because naturally they exploit those overloads that have been created. And then the patterns of play side of it is, is an organisation in possession and obviously out of possession. It's important that everybody has clarity um, and that repetition that goes with the training and then are good enough to execute at this level and where we want to be. So I feel like we've had to definitely, like in the four years, create four or five different teams. And I think, like, we go back, I think there was a piece in The Guardian today that I'd done an interview. Um, and, and if you look at the Sheffield United example where they've steadily built on the same performance uh, for whatever reason. Um, they've done it extremely well. And that, and that, from a coaching point of view and an actual team point of view, is the best way um, to achieve consistent performances. And uh, a lot of young players that we have um, naturally show inconsistencies but are extremely talented. Okay, those are the thoughts of Lee Johnson ahead of the weekend and talking about that identity as well, Gregor. Uh, you know, it's easy to talk about identity, but it's hard to implement it, isn't it? So uh, you think the, the best sort of team he isn't quite aware of right now? I think he's had these problems basically since they brought in the, the new players in January. I've said this a few times. Mm. I think in some respects now it looks like it's kind of added more problems than they had before because mm. you've got essentially four new guys coming in with Jamie Patterson and the three new signings and you've got to meld these guys into the squad. Obviously easy with Patterson because he knows what it's yeah. all about. But the other guys, are they going to be able to like adapt to a squad straight away? Wells maybe. And I thought he was a massive positive at the weekend mm. against Fulham. Obviously his second goal for Bristol City um, working so hard. But the little things he did as well, like just kicking the ball away to stop a free kick it's just gamesmanship being yeah, clever exactly, experience exactly nous and so yeah he he's a maybe a class apart the other two guys Henriksen not involved at all at the moment no. which is a bit strange he was dropped after the Huddersfield performance not been back in since and yeah Benkovic as you say didn't start but came off the, the bench and he's, look, he's looking better but he's probably not quite the same quality as the other guys at the moment Okay, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this weekend. It is a really big game for Bristol City's playoff ambitions. And then there is another game on Tuesday, which we must mention. Uh, I'm looking forward to being back at work. I'll be back down Ashton Gate for this one against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, so by the time we record our next podcast, this is a potential huge six points up for grabs. It is. Uh, it could be a big week for Bristol City. I do feel, well, actually, at this moment in time, I'm quite optimistic because I feel like it could be a good time to go to Blackburn. Obviously, they, as you say, they lost at the weekend, missing 
one or two players. Not too sure Mowbray knows his best selection in midfield there. And and Bristol City are a team, I feel, who, who've got that capacity to improve yet because once those new players do get up to speed, do integrate fully, we get that cohesion, then I do think then Bristol City will, will be slightly better, especially when you consider that Narky Wells is scoring goals. I think there's only two other players who've scored more goals from open play than Wells this season in the in the championship. So, yeah, they, they've got a lot of positives and if they could get a result this weekend, and I, I do probably fancy them to get at least a draw, then uh, if they could back that up with a win against Sheffield yeah, Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, thrashed 5-0 by Brentford at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, they are just spiralling down. Well, we, we don't know what's going to happen at the weekend either, because at the time of recording, we don't know if they're going to play Forest, so they might have a break. This is a good point, yeah. Well, oh, they could so. play Forest yet, and then the Bristol City game could be called off if something happens. <laughs> yeah. I know that's speculating so, massively, no, yeah. but... But there's so many, yeah, there's there's so many, many unknowns moving parts, yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, yeah, best case scenario, the game goes ahead next Tuesday and Bristol City come away with six points and are looking very healthy in the playoffs. Mm. Question for you. If you were Steve Lansdowne, would you go into the Forest boardroom? Absolutely not. No, I wouldn't. But would you? (laughs) Surely not. Not not without my hazmat suit, I think. Oh, right, you've got one at home, haven't you? (laughs) But you, you wouldn't expect them to be there or anything, would you? No, um, and fair play to him to um, come public on this and also say that he's self-isolating, so, uh, yeah. But anyone that's in touch with with him wouldn't be there? No, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a funny old time. We'll see what happens. We'll see how things play out. And we will join you next week then uh, after Blackburn at the weekend and hopefully after Sheffield Wednesday next week. Uh, Gregor? If you were going to say about those two games, how many points do you think Bristol City... I'm not going to ask you for score predictions, but points to come away with, I'll say four. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd go for four as well. Fingers crossed. Right, we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Robins on the Wire.